Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best start fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's name is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. In particular, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. Oh, they certainly do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you get the podcast at our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is put together by our executive producer, Mr. Brad Nearman. He's down in Land Lakes, Florida, calling himself Berserk Productions. Thanks for everything you do, Bradley. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Dave Van Dorn, tremendous outdoorsman with Take a Vet Fishing. One of our favorite organizations, Take a Vet Fishing, will be on with Dave Van Dorn shortly. And I get to visit with a guy by the name of Larry Walker. He's from Texas, and he travels the globe looking for bucket list fish. This guy catches huge fish in the most remote corners of the planet. Interesting story. He's got a new book out. We will talk to the one and only Larry Walker about his adventures, but first... Here's Dave Kranz to bring on Dan Johnston. Take it away, Dave. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth, and we always have Dan Johnston. How are you doing, Dan? Great, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. Uh, we're in uh, uh, later parts of February and winter here. Many parts of the South are opening up, and they're fishing already. There's bass spawning, and up on the Canadian border in Minnesota and New York and places like that, they've got feet of ice. And what a great time for this topic. Today we're going to talk tackle organization, and uh, there's a lot to it, isn't there? Yeah, it, it is a big topic on tackle organization for sure. And it's one of those things, you know, I, I would argue as much as anything that you thank yourself for doing during the heat of the moment. I mean, when we get the boat on the water, or even if you don't have a boat, when you decide to go and everything's where you know it's going to be as huge, it's hard enough to catch them. And it just adds to it when you're spending time going through your stuff or or even worse, you sacrifice for the second choice because you can't find the first one. And, you know, so it's it's important. And I'm, I'm one that's, I've done a lot better job with that. Excuse me. In the last few years, I used to just be horrible, and I would have stuff all over the place. And I, I found that it just makes me better. And it, you know, to my to my first point, it's hard enough to catch them consistently. That you just try to put everything in your favor. And we always talk about rods, lures, lines, hook gauges, sink rates of things, and water conditions, and weather, and all those things. And this is another one. I mean, just to, but this is one we can actually control, and uh, and it's important. And I would add also another thing that. I've been doing the last few years, Dave, that's really been important because, you know, I'm like you. I've got the big bass boat that you can take a tackle store out with. And yeah. unfortunately, a lot of times I do and, and I have way too much stuff. But one thing I'm doing the last few years is I have what, what I call hot boxes. So, like, if I'm on a bite and I know there's going to be three or four things I'm doing, if it's much more than that, I'm concerned. I, I, I always want to narrow it down to four things max and hopefully it's about two I'm doing all day. So in that box, I may have the weights for anything I'm flipping, punching, whatever, the trailers, uh, the baits, everything in one box that I'm going to be thinking I'm going to do for that day, especially if I really have something dialed in. So not only would it be organized in the boat with different boxes and compartments and so forth, but really it's really myopic. I mean, it's down to one little area where everything is, and I'll have a couple 
bags of trailers, for example, and little clips under my rod, my main tackle storage, where they're just right there, where I'm not literally having to look for anything. And I, I think that is a, I'm really, really glad. And I didn't come up with that. That was, I saw that people I've been fishing with and against, and, and I've seen that system. And boy, you talk about a time saver. Uh, it's, it's been something that I would recommend. And obviously the people that don't have boats that fish from the bank, have to do that because they can only carry so much stuff in you know mm-hmm. so yeah. it's a that's another good one yeah and i will second that uh 110 because uh i do the same thing it's in that center compartment where i sit down to retie i lift that up everything is there for the day when i go and i fish a tournament and i get done with my days of practice when i'm setting that boat up i not only set all the rods uh, with the lines I want, with the with the lures I want tied on, I've got them organized to where it's this, this, this. But the four rods in my center compartment are the four that I'm probably going to use the most, or anticipate using the most when the practice. And the tackle to retie and you reuse uh, those products is exactly right there in one big um, clear box that I can see. And most time I'll label on there what what it is. But yeah, I agree with that. And and here's the other thing about tackling organization: doing it this time of year, getting things ready, so at least you know where they are to make those day uh, opportunities uh, easier. If you don't do it now, you're probably not going to do it. And when we get to the nice weather and you want to be out, you're, you're going you're gonna to have a hard time finding stuff. You might go rebuy things you already have because you're disorganized. But but the point that you made there is, is awesome. It, it, it's You need to be ready to go, whether you're fishing from the bank or the boat. And it, uh, it's really that important. Well, I'll take it a step further. You'll find things you're out of. And there's nothing worse than getting out there and realizing, man, I'm out of four wide gaps or I'm down to one and you bend the point over on something. You're like, all I had to do is organize my stuff, knowing that I was probably going to be flipping this little Z-craw and I didn't organize my hooks. So I didn't know I was out of this one size and it matters. And I, so I, you know, it sounds like we're splitting hairs and it doesn't have to be for a tournament. This is like, if I'm going up North with my family fishing, I do the same thing. And it, cause I know they're going to bite black, blue and green pumpkin on most bottom baits up there. So I'll have my trailers in these gallon Ziploc bags. And there's a little thing that I do, David, I mentioned on a podcast a long, long, long time ago, and I'm going to mention it again. And it's something, mm-hmm. I I didn't give up for years, but what I found out at a little bait shop years ago, how this lady kept her soft plastic so good, because I knew some of these things had been in bins for a long, long, long time, exposed to air. I'm like, how are you doing this? So what she told me to do, and I do it to this day, and I do it every spring, is I I buy mineral spirits at Walmart. It's like dirt cheap. And then I, I buy real anise oil, not extract, but the real anise oil. It's hard to find. And it's a little eyedropper. And you don't put much in right into the bottle of the mineral spirits. And it lasts you years. And it takes like a eighth of a capful in that bag of plastics. And you shake that thing up. And I'm telling you, they look better than if you buy them off the shelf brand new. And I don't care if they're five years old. It's been amazing, like game-changing for me. And also a lot of my soft plastics, all of my trailers, I do that every year. My pacas, my Z-Cross, everything. So the colors just pop and it's really, really works. Plus it adds a little scent to them. It softens them up. It's one of those things. So that's part of the organizational part. I use a lot of Ziploc bags for uh, trailers so I can keep them bulk because usually there's a few colors. I really want to make sure they're right there. And I I just think it's an important topic. It's the same thing as going through our reels and backing the drags off when we're done fishing for the year and putting new line on. If you know braid, sometimes we can just reverse or not even change out but all of these little things if you add them all up and you're out there in a day there's no doubt in my mind it adds to a few fish every time you go if you put all these things in motion yep absolutely and i'm going to repeat i think i just said this once before on something that i do every year when i unfortunately we have to store our boats or i do where i'm at and i don't get the opportunity to fish in the winter with it but the uh, i do what i call a boat reset i empty that boat like i was going to sell it and it's there's nothing in it, and I do a boat reset in, in the spring when I get ready to uh, put it back on, whether I'm going on fun trips, guide trips, or leaving for a tournament, the fish uh, Toyota series. I reset that boat 
for that time of year with everything I need. And that's at, at that time, if I've gone through everything like I should have in the winter, I know where it's at. I put it in the boat for that time of year. And it, it's a great opportunity for your guys, you guys that haven't ever empty, totally emptied your boat. You need to do this because once you do it once, I believe you'll do it every year. And I, I think that's a great tip. When you find things you don't have, you check the expiration date on your fire extinguisher, you tighten all the screws, you look at the dates on your batteries, you look at the fluid levels, you look at your tackle storage. If you got latches broken on it, replace one. If you're out of a hook size, replace it. Cut off the little tag knots on your hooks. All those things. It's just because if we just can you imagine if we did none of this stuff and you went out in a year and you added up all of the time that you waste either trying to find something or running to the store to replace something or cutting a knot tag end off or fishing a hook that re- you realize the hook's bent over. If you added all that up in the course of a year, it's a lot of time. And I know every listener out there would say, yep, that's me, because I'm telling you what, it was me for a long, <laughs> long time. And I, so I, I think it's it's a, it's a good thing to communicate to people. And some of these things people don't think about to a, to a large degree. And another thing is, believe it or not, it's actually fun. It's like, it's like when you clean your house big time, how many listeners out there do that walkthrough and you kind of put your chest out like, man, this looks good. And it's the same thing about doing a boat. You go through boat and tackle that way. You'll end up going out in your garage at night and turning on some music and just sitting in it and looking at it and going, boy, this is really the way I want it. Unfortunately, after about three trips, it looks like a nuclear bomb went off on it. But the (laughs) point is you get a good start, you know, and it's something that, kicks off the year for me and I, I try obviously if I'm in anything competitive I'll do it before every time especially the hot box thing that's been just huge but um, it's been really good I mean I'll take little pieces of tape and mark what size line is on every single reel yep. uh, and exactly what it is is it floral or is it mono because sometimes when you got 15 rods laying there it's hard to tell by looking at it let's just thread it off and put it through your hands and stretch it and you can tell then but it's hard to tell visually so all those little things it's just it's a great topic it's a big topic but it's a it's important it is and one thing i have done over the last few years and if you go if you haven't done this and you do it what you're going to find is you have things that you haven't thrown in years you may decide to throw them if not you got bags of something that you don't use anymore boy, donate those to a local high school for a high school fishing club or something like that or an organization that's in your area for that does fishing conservation areas. Great opportunity to clean up a lot of things that you uh, you haven't used in years and somebody else will use them. And I, I'm sure you've done the same thing. I have. I just got back from a sports show in Tennessee and I found some old 1980s vintage pop bars. And man, if you can ever get your hands on those because they've got a different mouth on them. They pop differently. The fish bite them, in my opinion, better than even the ones they make now. And uh, But the fact I got back, I, I found four of them and paid more than I probably should have for them. <laughs> you just can't find them anymore. But I brought them home, but I went out and I found my hooks that I had organized and I found the exact hook that I wanted because the hooks were shot. They were 25, 20-something years old, yep. more than that. So I, I replaced the hooks on them, but they were right there. And if I if I hadn't done that, I'd have thought, boy, where are my hooks? And I'd have to look around. I'd end up not doing it. And then I'd tie that thing on and throw it out there with that old silver-colored cheap hook that they made on it back in the 80s. And they'd hook and break or they'd get off or whatever. And those are the things that it's just, you know, that's just one example. But it's, it's, a, it's a great topic and it's something that, you know, people can make a checklist first before you do it and say, what are all the things I'm going to do? And whether it's boat-related, tackle-related, running Q-tips through your guide tips to make sure you don't have a dink in your ceramic that's going to cut your line. Um, all these little things. Make a checklist. And then just check them off over the winter. And by the time you go, God willing, everything's going to work on the boat. That's usually Murphy's Law. Those of us that are most prepared have the most things break down. Isn't that something? But, <laughs> it, you know, I think that from a high level, it's just a real good idea. It's like anything we do in life, the better prepared, the more likely we are to be successful. Absolutely. Always good advice from a Dan Johnson. Thanks, Dan, and look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks so much, Dave. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and we will be right back after these messages. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, 
St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz. This segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Today's guest uh, has been on before. I always like to say every guest I have on this segment has a passion for the outdoors. Uh, he certainly does. He is Dave Andor from Take a Bet Fishing. Welcome to the program again, Dave. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, glad to have you on uh, when we get the opportunities. Uh, 2023, is it uh, looking like an exciting year for Take a Bet? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've uh, already had our first event of the year in January down in Madeira Beach, uh, Florida, and we've got our second uh, Florida event coming up april 17th i believe yeah that's uh, great back in madeira beach yeah and this is only is this just the second or second or third second year for down there right yep yep uh and we we take about 70 vets out uh feed them catch them some fish and uh let them know that we appreciate their service and uh, leave them with a, they leave with a new rod and reel and, uh, hopefully, a, a, a better understanding that there's, there are folks out here that, uh, really do appreciate their freedoms, uh, that they provided by serving in the U S military. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, what a great opportunity to start doing these, uh, not just in the northern part of the country and doing in the southern part, you're probably tapping into a whole different group of, of uh, vet, veterans that um, can use this uh, to help them through the struggles that they have and to appreciate the outdoors. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's It's been uh, a, a real blessing to be able to go down to Florida in the winter uh, and get those folks down there out on the water. <clears throat> did did you find that uh, uh, the people in the South had already known about the programs, but but were there and not up north where they had been doing them before? I yes, uh, a lot of you know family members up here are hey you know I did this thing with take event fishing up in Madison or Malax wherever, and it was such a great event. Uh, you should come on up. Well, you know some of these folks are getting pretty old and can't travel as far and uh it's amazing how many veterans will go yeah my my younger brother did this up in Malax and said it was fantastic so yeah we are getting a lot we are getting a lot of that so yeah and then you get to help so many more people because you start in the winter rather than wait having to wait till may or june uh, as it warms and go head north this way you 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 go south and then head north and uh you were saying that um, off the air, this was, is this the eighth year that uh, this has been happening? Uh, the, uh, well, you're, you're kind of leading me into the, the television show Operation Healing Heroes. Yes. Uh, has been on the Discovery Channel. We're, we're taping our eighth season starting in April. So. Okay. Perfect. And that's still going very strong, too. So, yeah. It's been yeah. Good. And, and the Take a Bet Fishing Program, uh, is is helped so many people so where's the next one after the uh the one uh, the second one in florida where, where do we go from there then uh our northern uh, i like that i'm going to steal that from you dave our northern season starts 
uh, May 21st here in Illinois uh, at the American Legion in Fox Lake. Uh, then we go to Madison, Wisconsin uh, in June. Uh, and then what we do a thing in July uh, where uh, it's called Camp Hometown Heroes, and it's where we take uh, kids out uh who have lost a parent while serving in the military and they get flown in from all over the country, uh, over a hundred kids. Uh, that's in July. August, uh, is a Malax event. Uh, that's a special event where we'll take a group of vets and, uh, they'll come in Friday night. Uh, the same group will fish Saturday and Sunday. And, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a very intimate uh, setting where we get to spend some more time with the veterans than we might normally uh, get to. And uh, then September is uh, kind of a big travel month. Uh, we do Minnetonka, Minnesota. Uh, and then the very next weekend, we're in Charlevoix, Michigan, uh, and then we wrap up the season in October in Eagle River. Okay, yeah. That's a schedule. Well, it is. It is. And, you know, we're, uh, uh, again, I, I still volunteer all my time. Uh, this has been a passion for me. Year 12, uh, we're heading into season 12 for uh Take for tech event, so. yeah, you're twelve, and that's a long time. And uh, and uh, thank you for doing that for all of these people. Now we'll give this again at the end. But if people want to find out ways to uh, contribute, uh, donate time or money or product or anything like that, or possibly uh, know somebody that would be a good candidate to uh, get involved in in one of these, uh, what's the best place for them to uh, to get information? As always, Dave, and I appreciate this uh, a bunch, uh, it's www.takeofatfishing.com or .org, and uh, it'll take you to the website. You can register for every event we have. You can sign up for, uh, we have a golf fundraiser in September here in Illinois and one in uh, Minnesota in August. Uh, you can register and sign up, sponsor, do whatever. Everything is done through the website. That That is awesome. And, and uh, for whatever uh, uh, level you'd like to participate at or be a participant or be a volunteer, that, that's where to get it. Take a vet, uh, dot, uh, org or ORCOM, either one you said, correct? Yep. Okay, yep. excellent. Uh, it all gets you back to the same place. So Sounds good. Now, I have asked you, since you've done so many of these, is there a favorite place that you get to do this? You know, uh, I, 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 <laughs> this is going to sound so corny, but uh, I love them all. Uh, I, I, I have fallen in love with the Mille Lacs area. Uh, I, there's something about that big water that, that I'm really attracted to. Uh, and the big smallies, walleyes, and muskies don't hurt either. So. No, the, the fishing is phenomenal, and the, the, the area is beautiful. And uh, I guess the only thing that you have to contend with there is uh, if you get any level of wind, it can be uh, make the event not happen or be less fun. Well, we, we've, uh, we've kind of learned over the years uh, that... Uh, the guides that come out and volunteer with us, they, uh, they're mostly local. So they, they're well aware of what the weather's doing and they'll adjust accordingly. If, if the wind's coming out of the South, you fish, fish the South side. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, pretty standard fare at Mille Lacs, but, but the fishing is good everywhere. Uh, Fox chain has been very good. And, uh, Minnetonka is, uh, amazing for uh, a big, uh, uh, you know, uh, I can't, the word I'm thinking, just like the fox chain. Yeah. It's, it's, just, uh, yeah. it's a very good fishery. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very good. Absolutely. So as uh, you're 12 years, that's a long time. Uh, we've seen a, a lot of the veterans you had uh, in the past. A lot of them were, were veterans that were uh, uh, 
older than you and I even, and we're old. But but uh, are you seeing uh, younger veterans from uh, you know current uh, service uh, starting to participate? We are uh, a lot, and and this is kind of the cool part about this. Uh, it's uh, <clears throat> we're starting to see a lot of uh, folks come with. Uh, you know, in their mid thirties, they'll make it a family event where, you know, mom or dad, who's the veteran will go out fishing, but then the kids and the other parent will stay and help and volunteer, set tables up, you know, hand out food, that type. It's turned into uh, uh, kind of a veteran family affair uh, all the way around, which is excellent to see. Uh, I think it's important that these kids realize uh, where you know their freedom comes from and and and, and how how it's uh, obtained. And when they take a look at mom or dad who served in whatever branch you pick it, uh, and you have all these people, you know, saying, "Hey, we appreciate what you do. Thank you very much." I think they look at their parents in a little different light and they see that, you know, your mom and dad did something that, that means a lot to a lot of people. And that, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it is a big deal that they realize that and uh, and probably uh, having, uh, like you said, other people recognize their, their parents to, to that degree that they may even be surprised by it, but they're... Uh, the, Nobody comes out of any level of service at any any branch that uh, isn't changed by it, uh, and not always for the better. So they, th this is so necessary and, and such a good thing to do. So we're going to give give this again to make sure we get it. Takeavetfishing.org or takeavetfishing.com to participate, to contribute, to volunteer, to find out more information. All of those areas are where they can do that. And uh, always appreciate the update, Dave, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again later in the season. Uh, Dave, I, uh, again, I want to thank uh, uh, you guys for, A, all your support, and Dave, personally, for your friendship all these years. Uh, we can't do what we do without folks like you, and, uh, I, you know, I, I want you to know how appreciate how much I appreciate it and how much the organization does. Oh, well, right back at you. I appreciate you guys and you and uh, look forward to talking to you in the future. Have a great day, Dave. Thanks again. You too. That was Dave Van Dorn. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel. For those with a passion for the outdoors, the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when cast Thing. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org 
And you know, if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. Our lead guest for today is a guy that I have never met before, only spoken to for a minute or two, but when I found out about him, I just had to have him on the show. Uh, All I can say is he's a legend in Texas. He's a legend worldwide. This guy is one of the most tremendous fishermen you've ever heard. He's got a great story. He has traveled the world catching monsters and rarities. Uh, It's extremely interesting, And, and he's got a new book out called from minnows to marlins, which is available at Amazon. Please welcome the one and only Larry Walker. Hey, Larry, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much. That's a great introduction. I didn't know I was a legend, but I'll take that compliment. Hey, no no problem. I, I, I'm serious. I, what I've read about you, I, I can look at no more than legendary. You're, you're like the Paul Bunyan of, of fishermen, for Pete's sake. Well, I've been very blessed. I'll be honest with you. I've got to travel the whole world. I've been to 57 countries just fishing, and I'm the, I'm addicted to fishing, Steve. I can't. I, I dream about it. I tr- I plan a trip every every month to go some exotic space place in the world, and uh, I've been pretty successful. Some of them are not so good, but some of them are are pretty good. You know, you, you've, you've got an interesting life, and I've just read very little. I, you know, I, I did this on short notice. I heard about you. I had to get a hold of you before uh, you got booked up on every show in, in the country, uh, and I haven't had a chance to read the book. I, I certainly look forward to reading From Minnows to Marlin. Uh, it, it's it's got, it's got to be incredible, but the excerpts I've read just absolutely blow my mind. The first question anybody would get to read your bio and what you've done fishing-wise would be, how the heck did this Larry Walker ever afford this lifestyle? My God, his travel bills are phenomenal. (laughs) Well, I'll be honest. To begin with, I used to rob Peter to pay Paul to go fishing. I'll be honest with you. I would do fishing trips when I couldn't afford them, <laughs> and I would skip out on uh, car payments or uh, apartment payments. I'm, I'm so addicted, Steve. It's been unbelievable. But I have been very blessed. We've had a, uh, a family business that actually one year ago we sold. After 76 years in the fishing business, we finally sold out. And now I'm really – I'm really traveling now. I'm I'm making more <laughs> plans and going more places than I ever dreamed of. But I've, I've been pretty busy even before that. It's it's been interesting. I'll be honest. With you. Well, they're out of the business, and there's a big business down in the Dallas area, right? Well, we we started out at a, at a very meager deal. 1946. My dad got out of World War II, and he was on D-Day. Couldn't get a job, so he went fishing. And by just chance, they ran out of minnows at the bait shop, and they offered him a seine to go catch some. And he caught more than he could use, and he sold them to the bait store. And that started our whole life right there, that one little instant of him catching more minnows that he could use and sell them back to the bait store. And it just it just got keep getting better and better and better. A lot of neat, good things happened to us along the way, but we started selling those little red and white plastic floats. Then we started selling Coleman lanterns and Zepco reels, and then we started selling guns, and then we started selling boats and motors. And then from there, it morphed into, um, I started outfitting fishing trips, and um it goes on and on and on. I mean, my fascination, my fascination with fishing is, is uh, I can't get enough. I can't get enough of it. Where, where's the first place that you went to go fishing that was what you would consider away from home? Well, we used to, uh, actually, this was uh, Mexico. Uh, you know, we're, I'm in Texas, and uh, we used to go to Mexico as, as, as uh as high schoolers and, and on the border and stuff, but there was a lake called Lake Guerrero. Oh, yeah. In, 19, in 1970, and we had never seen anything like it. You could go 
across the border is about 180 miles in the interior, and Mexico was pretty safe then to go, and we used to catch 100 to 150 black bats a day, and it was incredible. Of course, those days, we used to keep them. We didn't know any different. We didn't know about 1970. We didn't know about catch and release, but but we would actually uh, clean them and bring them home back in the day, and of course, all that's all the that thought process has gone away a long time ago. But man, that was a great experience. Just back in the day, I've never asked this question before. In Mexico, did they have limits, either size or quantity? No, sir. No, no limits. Catch all you want. And, oh, oh, unbelievable. And, and Steve, this was such an unbelievable deal to catch this many fish. Because you got to remember in 1970 in Texas, the limit for black bass per day was 15 bass per day. We oh. could catch and keep 15 bass per day. And back in the 70s, that was very possible. Nowadays, it's hard to catch a five-limit fish sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the, the one good thing, and I'm sure you still, uh, I'm sure you still want a line down in Texas, uh, your DNR does a great job managing it. And, and I think Texas fishing is about as good as it's ever been right now. It certainly is. There's a there's a lake. It's, it's not new, but it's a lake called OHIB that's producing so many what we call teenagers. That's fish over 13 pounds. Yeah, it's it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. And like I said, I've been very lucky to fish in some of the best places for black bass all over the world. I've I'm up to 184 black bass over 10 pounds that I've caught in in my life so far. I'm not finished yet. I hope. Yeah. Well, uh, it, and and the amazing thing to sit and think about is 184 uh, bass over 10 pounds. You're not just fishing for bass. Uh, you're only spending a small percentage of your time bass fishing. Well, you're exactly right. Of course, I started out as the you know the good old boy redneck black bass fisherman in Texas, and then I had a very fortunate uh, encounter of a tackle salesman came to our. Sporting Walker Sporting Goods store and told me a story about black bass in Honduras. And the first thing I asked him said, "Where in the hell is Honduras?" <laughs> I didn't even know. I knew it was in Central America, but I didn't know where. You, you had so no I idea. Got, you had no idea where it was, but you knew you were going there, right? I know. He said there were big fish, and I'll be honest, Steve. That's what drives me. If it wasn't for big. That's what drives me. I mean, I'm not into numbers or trying to catch how many bass I can catch anymore. It's all about size to me. And so he said there were these huge Florida bass that were stocked in this Lake Yohoa in Honduras. And I got a group of my buddies up, and we went down there. And it didn't go well, to be honest with you. The first three days, there was about five or six bass caught. We thought we'd been scammed, to be honest with you. So we <laughs> we went to town and had a few cocktails and uh, came back to the lake to, to finish it off. And I had a, a one of those Kodak moments in life. I caught uh, my, not just me, but the two buddies I was with, we were in two boats. We caught seven bass that weighed 72 pounds and four ounces. <laughs> that was and that was in 1976, and, and in Texas we didn't have Florida bass then. And of course, like I told you back in the 70s, we didn't know about catch and release, so we put them in an igloo ice chest, put them on the airplane, and I brought them up to Texas. And we were in the Dallas boat show at that time with our our boat. We sold Skeeter boats and Bass Tracker boats and Procraft boats, and I put them in the Dallas boat show. And people went nuts over it. I mean, you know, we had never seen bass like that. I mean, an eight-pound bass in the 70s, you got the picture in the newspaper. So we had these bass on, in the ice chest, and a little light bulb went off in my head. I said, I'm going to start taking people fishing to Honduras. Okay. And that changed my whole life. That changed my whole life. That was the turning point in my life on fishing, I believe. Folks, you're listening to Mr. Larry Walker. He's got a book out called From Minnows to Marlin. Easily found on Amazon. Check it out. Uh, these stories you're, you're uh, hearing are just a few of the uh, a few of the adventures that this guy has had. He has uh, he has led 
more than one lifetime in his life, man. You you you've you've lived uh, enough lifetimes to to fill a half a dozen guys easily, if not if not more. It's it's tremendous. You're talking about big fish. Uh, you you own a couple of uh, records, don't you? Well, the the one official IGFA record I have is, is an all tackle record for uh, for a pompano that I call down in Mexico. You know, Steve. Actually, I wasn't really into records back in the day. We were just catching fish and and uh, having a good time. And then I'm I'm a little bit more in tune to records now, but not so much really. It's just it's just catching them. And being, you know, being in these different countries, all the people, all the sites, the the land, the, the birds, the animals, the whole experience, you know, it really is great. What's the biggest fish you ever caught? I've I've been lucky. I've caught two fish over eleven hundred pounds. I've caught a eleven hundred forty six pound black marlin in Australia. And then I caught a uh, bluefin tuna up in Prince Edward Island. That was estimated we didn't we didn't we didn't kill them. We didn't kill either one of those. And and they put them up beside the boat and measured them up in Prince Edward Island. And the, it was uh, over 120 inches long. And the captain estimated him between a thousand and eleven hundred pounds. Ten foot long fish. I uh, can't even mm-hmm. imagine. And. Uh, what what is what does that feel like catching a fish that's that weighs five times as much as you do? It's it's it's, it's incredible. Uh, uh, that marlin I caught Steve when I first caught that was in 1988 when the fish came up beside the boat and I looked overboard and and you looked down at that eyeball it was the size of a of a coffee cup and mm. he, yeah, it was just it's just it's it's. it's it's exhilarating. It's just something I don't. It's hard to explain it. To, it just if you're a fisherman, it's really, really exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, I see, I see pictures of uh, people with uh, billfish being jacked up uh, by a, a crane, and they're standing next to it to get the picture taken. And these are all old black and whites. And and I'm told that those kind of fish don't exist anymore. They've all been taken. Is that true? Are these are these uh, big water fish smaller today? Are they overfished? No, not in my opinion. I'll be honest with you. you know, these fish are all migratory. The black marlin in Australia, they're only available for three months out of the year. And to my knowledge, right now, the big fishery is over in the Azores off of Portugal. I was over there this year. I caught a 500-pounder. He actually jumped <laughs> in the boat with me. Oh. And... Uh, but uh, I didn't catch a big one this time, but they caught some really big ones. I mean, they're catching granders uh, pretty regular around the world. You know, all of them are, you know, it's all seasonal. That's probably the good thing for the for the big fish. It's seasonal. They don't get hammered year-round, you know. I think that's absolutely amazing. We need to take a quick break. Let our sponsors have a word. When we come back, we'll have more with the... Uh, Definitely, definitely a very interesting human being. He is Larry Walker from Texas, author of From Minnows to Marlin, available at Amazon. Steve Sarley here, We Fish ASA. We'll be right back. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry docked for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. 
distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sardley, and I'm here with Larry Walker, author of From Minnows to Marlin. He's got a book out, but you know what? Uh, he, he's not going to be famous as an author, I don't think. He's famous as a fisherman, fished in 47 countries uh, in his lifetime, and, and there's more on the list. What's the what's on your bucket list, Larry Walker? I will hey, man, everybody asks me that. I, I, I got a bucket list on fish. That one of them is the Goliath grouper that's in the Congo in Africa. Uh, the fish is hard to catch, but the country is so dangerous that it's really, really, you got to really want to go there to go. It's dangerous. And then uh, I want to catch a Napoleon raft, and I'm going actually in two weeks back to uh, French uh, Polynesia to a group of islands where I have a good opportunity to catch one of those. They're, they're not rare, but they're very uncommon. I have not caught those. Uh, the real reason we're going is for uh, for Giant Trevally, and um, they get super big. I'm going with Steve Ryan, but uh, they're they're a super exciting fish. And I've been going to Idaho for smallmouth bass. I've caught two over eight pounds this year. Smallmouth <laughs> bass. I caught one that weighed eight fifty three, and I just caught one that actually weighed seven ninety eight. And I'm going back there in March. And then my new favorite country, Steve, is Argentina. God, what a place. The people are friendly. The food's good. It's a little long way down there. But uh, in the last couple of years, I caught a 23-pound, 6-ounce rainbow trout. I caught a 53-pound, 7-ounce king salmon three or four weeks ago. But my favorite fish in the whole world, everybody asks me what my favorite fish is, is the Golden Dorado. Really? And it, it's, it's absolutely, it used to be peacock bass, but I, I, I still love peacock bass. I'm going back to Brazil in November for them. But uh, the, uh, the, the Golden Dorado is absolutely the ultimate freshwater fish. They'll jerk your arms out of the socket. They jump. They take topwater baits. Uh, we're using a uh, 65 to 80 pound braid with a 150 to 200 pound mono leader and throwing top water lures and, uh, and big spoons. And they're just incredible fisher fish. They're just the ultimate to me. How, how big do those Dorado get? The biggest one I've caught so far is 52 pounds. And, uh, but the world record come out of where we're going. We're going to a place called Arizona, and the world record came out and it's fifty eight pounds. But I'm sure they'll be broken pretty soon. I'm I actually planning a trip there in April, and I'm taking Jimmy Houston with me. Uh, he's never been there. We're going to do a little show while we're down there. He, he he's going to do some uh, fish kissing on uh, critters that he's never ever encountered before, size wise. That's going to be interesting. I, I love to watch that. That would be uh, that would be absolutely amazing. Uh, uh, and you know, I I think everybody loves Jimmy, and you got to love him because he gets so darn excited catching fish. Uh, you know, I, I Jim, Jimmy Houston almost looks like he's going to flip out of the boat. He catches a six pound largemouth. I can't imagine what he's going to be like with a forty five pound Dorado on the end of his line. Steve, I've had the, the, the great fortune to spend a lot of time with him in the last two or three years. He is just, on TV and real life, it's the same thing. He is a wonderful man. He gets so excited. 
it didn't have, the camera doesn't have to be rolling. I took him to a private lake here in Texas uh, two years ago, and my fifth cast, I caught an 11-pound bass and, uh, on, on the, when the camera's rolling. That was pretty exciting. Then I took him to Columbia uh-huh. last year, and I, I caught a 23-pound uh, peacock bass with him. But he, he, he's just a great guy. He really is. He's a genuinely great guy. Yeah, I, I think he's uh, I think he's tops. I enjoy him so much. Hey, you know, uh, let's go back to Texas for a minute. And, and you okay. mentioned let's go back to talking about Texas for a minute. You were saying OHIV, and that seems to be the hottest lake going. And, and you're real close to Fork, uh, which for, for a long time was considered the, the best bass lake in the country. It kind of kind of had a downturn, but I think it's back on the upswing. Uh, Fork is. Uh, a definite possibility for a double-digit fish anytime you go out there, uh, which which is tremendous. And and I look at uh, I look at uh, there's a guy and I know you fish with him, uh, Josh Jones, and I've seen him talk about catching two of those teenagers in the same day. I read about him. He's claiming that he's had the largest five fish day of uh, sixty-two pounds something, which is twelve pounds plus. You fished with him? Is this guy for real or is it all talk? No, he is for real. You're talking about for real. Josh Jones is for real. He's a, he's a phenomenal guy. He's a good friend of mine. I have fished with him several times. He, uh, I even went to Oklahoma with him, and we caught spoonbill uh, paddlefish up at uh, his home lake. I caught one 116 pounds with him. But he is uh, he is. He's absolutely perfected the art of forward-facing live scope. I mean, he is the absolute king of it, and it has revolutionized fishing. Steve, it's, it's unbelievable what he can do with that with that depth finder. That is amazing. Another name that you mentioned was, uh, well, I'll say he's a neighbor, Steve Ryan. He's from uh, northern Illinois, and... Uh, I don't know, I've been probably reading about him for 10 years now, and he just catches big fish. And he's like you. He's traveling the world. And I'll see him on Facebook with a picture of a fish. And at first I used to say, boy, this guy is the best guy at using that photo editing software. He must hit a big fish button, and these things double in size. Nothing could be as big as what this Steve Ryan's holding and seeing so many and hearing about what he does, I realize that's not Photoshop. This guy's like you. He's traveling the world, and he's catching nothing but big fish. Uh, have you fished with him? Many times. He is. When I grow up, I want to be like Steve Ryan, to be honest <laughs> with you. He, I've never met in all of my fishing career, which spans many decades, I never met a a human being that was as knowledgeable as Steve Ryan. Plus, he weighed 140 pounds. You ought to see him on, on these big fish. These giant trevally that we have caught down in, in French Polynesia, they absolutely kicked my ass, and he he, he reeled them in like they were nothing. Well, he's, he's phenomenal. Now I figured uh, it out. You just explained it. Those fish aren't that big. He's that small, 140 pounds. Hell, he, <laughs> he, he catches a he catches a 10 pounder, a 10 pound bass. It's got standing next to that little guy. It's got to look like a blue marlin. Be honest with you, he he's phenomenal. He oh. really he catches big fish. He he he's a good friend of mine, and I really respect him. He's a very nice guy. That's that's amazing. I, I when I first started reading about you, I said. This guy reminds me of, uh, he's the, the, the cowboy Steve Ryan, uh, <laughs> just traveling the world, catching big fish and sharing, sharing his adventures with people. I think it's, I think it's marvelous. And uh, uh, yeah. actually, Steve Ryan does not live very far from where I am right now, and I have never met him, never talked to him. And, and that's on my bucket list right now is talk to, talk to Steve Ryan. That would be, be a good thing. I just tell him Larry Walker said, it's okay, and I'm sure he'll buy, he'll buy into that program. You talked about safety, going to going to Africa to an unsafe place. Uh, until a few years ago, I didn't realize you could do it. A friend of mine, Dan Basor, who is the uh, world's uh, best 
lore collector. He's got the world's largest collection of antique lures. He went to Africa uh, to fish in a place with his son that he said was on the list of places that the U.S. government does not want you to go to. They can't stop you, but they strongly advise that you do not go there or find somewhere else. There are a handful of places like that on the globe. That doesn't bother you to hear that a place is too dangerous to go to. Sounds like you'll just pack up and do it anyway. Well, I, I, I will. I'll be honest. With you. I'm so so addicted to fishing. I, I like to clear up one thing. Africa is beautiful, wonderful. I love. That's probably one of my favorite countries in the world. It's just a phenomenal place, Steve. But I'm just talking about this one place in the Congo, and it they, it is really kind of dangerous with the people there. But actually, all the places I've been to Africa, it's been fantastic. We call Nile Purse. We call Tiger Fish. I took my son to uh, Cape Verde, and he caught a 750-pound blue marlin. And then on the other coast, I went uh, <laughs> went out of Tanzania and with a and caught uh, dog tooth tuna, and I caught a 110-pound giant trevally. <laughs> along the way, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro while I was over there. Oh, my goodness. And I was 74 years old. Oh, man. You <laughs> it were... was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was... <laughs> you are amazing, Larry Walker. Hey, before I before we run out of time, I want to get you mentioned peacock bass. Uh, where is your peacock bass location? And uh, would you like to? I, I guess they're stocked in Florida and Hawaii in some bodies of water. Would you like to see those things spread out more? You know, really and truly, I have. I, I, I really would. If, if, if peacock bats could survive in in Texas, they wouldn't know what black bass were. They would call black bass. They would treat them like car. It, they're so exciting, <laughs> so unbelievable. The only thing, the, the thing that drives me, Steve, as I told you at the beginning, size, and they just don't grow big in the United States or Hawaii. I first started fishing for them in in, uh, in Venezuela, and then I went over to, I started going to Brazil, I ended up going to Colombia. Colombia seems to be one of the better places for the big, giant peacock bass. That is absolutely amazing. And what is a what is a giant peacock bass size wise? Well, you know, actually, the, the mark is kind of like you know black bass. The mark is ten pounds. Yeah. The mark on on peacock bass is is twenty pounds. If you catch a twenty pounder, that's a that's pretty elite country, really. Oh, that is absolutely amazing. We're we're, we're up against the clock. I got to let you go, and I feel bad about doing it because. I feel like I struck gold this last couple of days. Uh, looking around on social media and the internet, I discovered Larry Walker. Maybe I've been living under a rock, and I should have learned about Larry Walker beforehand, but I'm glad I did. He's from Texas, uh, been in the uh, fishing business all his life now, traveling the world, 47 countries to catch unbelievably large fish. Uh, if you find him, if you go to Larry Walker on Facebook, and there's more than one Larry Walker, believe it or not. Uh, it's it's a rather common name, but it's worth looking for Larry Walker to look at these pictures and listen to these uh, tales that he's got. Even better than that, head on over to Amazon.com. Type in From Minnows to Marlin. That's Larry Walker's book, a tremendous book that I am just dying to read. All about his trips, world record fish, Big fish everywhere. This guy's lived a life that we're all going to be so jealous over. I definitely want to learn more about this, and I want to stay in touch with Larry Walker. Larry, thanks for being with us. We'll catch up with you again soon. All right, Steve. Thank you, sir. Excellent. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Excellent. Mr. Larry Walker. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best on fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. Thanks to today's guests, Mr. Dan Johnston, Dave Van Dorn from Take Event Fishing, great guy, great organization, and Larry Walker from Minnows to Marlins is his new book. Man, what a life, what a series of adventures end to end for so many years. 
Gotta get that book. Gotta read what Larry Walker's all about. How cool is he? I'd like to thank our sponsors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. Daiwa Reels. Don't forget, we've got a new episode of our podcast available every Wednesday. It's on for the week. If you go to our website, wefishasa.com, you can listen to one of every podcast that we have ever recorded. They're all there. Don't know how long that's going to last, so download them and listen to them now, folks. Wefishasa.com. And you can always communicate with us there. If you like what you hear, let us know. If there's something you don't like, let us know that, too. We're big guys. We can take it. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.